You're listening to Rowan Radio On Demand. Download more podcasts at rowanradio.com. The following program does not represent the views or opinions of the staff or administration of Rowan University or Rowan Radio. 89.7 WGLS-FM. Rowan Radio 89.7 WGLS-FM proudly presents Studio 89.7. This talk program focuses on newsmakers, celebrities, and authors. And now, here's your host, Philadelphia radio veteran, Paul Perello. Have you ever had the feeling that sometime you just wanted to get away from it all? You wanted to unplug? You wanted to go off the grid? You wanted to get away from everything? But sometimes it's not all that realistic. However, my guest on this edition of the program did exactly just that. Margie Smith-Holt was a uh, honored um, a professional in the world of the media here in Philadelphia, uh, working for uh, both print and television. Uh, Margie, perhaps, I'll ask her, had her fill of, uh, of life here in the Philadelphia area and decided to literally pick up roots and relocate. And so Margie, what a pleasure it is to see you uh, again, and talk about this great book that you have written, and uh, we'll mention the name of the book as as we go along. But was it really that uh, that like so many times, especially people in the media, get to that breaking point? They've just had it. They just want to get away from it all. They want to unplug. So, what prompted you to pick up and move to some tropical island like twenty years ago? <laughs> well, first of all, thank you for that great introduction. It's nice to be called an honored member of the Philly media because well, you are. Um, uh, a great first part of my career. I, I, I loved I loved working in the media in Philadelphia. Um, and I actually left journalism um, before I did my move to the islands. I, I you know, kind of got to the the breaking point with with that, I guess. And after fourteen or so years of doing doing the news, I switched into public relations, and I was, um, at the Kimmel Center for the Performing Arts when it opened, which was kind of an exciting land on on the so-called dark side to be in, in PR. Um, and it was while I was there, you know, coming up on the eve of my 40th birthday, you know, I had my expectations for where I would be at that point in my life. Of course, I would be married and I would have kids. And in addition to this sort of exciting, glamorous career and uh, I was looking at 40 and didn't have those things and thought, well, you know, what am I doing with my life? Um, and also I had had a big uh, heartache at that time. So there was, there was a breakup and the guy I thought I was going to marry didn't work out. And it's like, okay, well, my instinct would have been to throw myself back into work. And I had a colleague who thought that was the dumbest idea she ever heard of <laughs> said, you know, you don't need more work. You need a vacation. Right. And she's the one actually who found St. John in the U S Virgin islands, a place I had never heard of. We were both scuba divers. We went down for a scuba vacation and uh, just kind of fell in love with the place down there and started talking to people about how they all got down there. And by the end of the week, I started to think, hmm, maybe this would be something interesting to try and kind of went back to work and thought, well, no, that's not very practical, but the bug was there. And, you know, a few months later, I was quitting my job and selling my car and putting my stuff in storage and going down to stay. Yeah, you know, it's funny in, in hearing your description, you are one of two people people that I know that have, have gone this route. Another friend of mine um, uh, working in radio just one day decided that's it. He had had it. He just packed it all in. He was living in Orlando 
and he traveled the world for a year and he would just blog about all the places that uh, that he went and i so admired the uh, the ambition and the guts just like in your case to sort of say enough already i'm i'm looking for something different maybe it's you know that that year 40 or it's 50 or even 60 that sort of uh stares you in the face and you're like what am i doing here i got to do something and i want to break out of this mold that i've been sort of you know pigeonholed into so the fact that that, that you did this were, were there many people native to st john's or were there people like you who from whatever walk of life they were in just decided to relocate into you know the tropic islands i think it was it's a mixture i mean so obviously you have your your you know ancestral native virgin islanders so that's those, those are the people who live there and then there's even though it's it's a us territory there's a sort of expat community um of an expat feel anyway there's still americans um of people who kind of moved down looking for something different but when i went i would say they mostly fell into two categories you had the older folks either the sort of kind of former hippies, sort of a different, an older generation than mine, um, or the retirees who had had their life and had made their money and were down there. And you had the sort of 20-somethings who were trying to figure themselves out, taking a break before school or that kind of thing. There weren't a whole lot of people, I would say, in my age group, that kind of midlife 40, um, although there were some. And, and it was not something that I ever thought that I would do. I was the yeah. practical, right? I was a good, the good girl from Philadelphia, the practical, hard worker, good student, you know, um, kind of followed the path and then got to this point and thought, well, I'm not getting what I want. So now, you know, so, so now what? And, and I think it was almost someone, someone asked me recently, you know, did, or did you have any regrets about doing this? I said, no, it was actually the idea of regret was kind of what prompted me from the other direction. It's like, okay, well, I am 40. I don't have any big responsibilities right now. Okay, I don't have kids. I, I don't have aging parents yet. I don't have any of those things. What if I don't do this now? You know, I might regret it later that I didn't take the chance when I had this chance in front of me to say, just take a leap, see what happens. How welcoming were the people of St. John's to this otherwise outsider that's coming from the mainland? and relocating to St. John's. I mean, were they uh, were they welcoming? Did they take a little bit extra time to warm up to you? Were they skeptical of you? Look, big city girl moving to the islands, what's what's the deal here? <laughs> there was definitely some of that. Uh, I mean, overall, yes, it's an accepting community, but I was living in uh, a little community called Coral Bay. I say a community because it doesn't even rise to the level of town. It was just sort of this outpost on the far side of the island, the other side, as people there would say. And I, there was this sort of big community of sailors and sort of kind of, you know, these sort of reticent mariners and sort of tough island women. And yeah, I moved down with, with a friend who was another city girl and here we are. And I'm, I'm sure they were sizing us up like, you know, are these two, you know, look at these two, are these two going to make it? You no. Know? Right. So there was definitely a hazing period where, you know, people were always helpful, but they were a little standoffish. Um, I like to tell the story, you know, I went down there saying, I'm not going to do anything like I used to do. I, I don't want to, I'm not going to do any reporting. I don't want to write. I need to do something totally different. I'm going to get a waitressing job. And of course, my second week there, I met the editor of the local newspaper who cajoled me and followed me around till I agreed to do some writing. So I did start writing for the local paper. And the first, the first story I did 
was the Thanksgiving story. So it was this community event. They called it Thanksgiving. They roasted a giant pig. Everybody came together. And it's what we would have called in the old news days. Like it was like a good news story, a happy right. news story. Of course, people will want to talk about this. And nobody would tell me their name. <laughs> so, so I'm walking around this Thanksgiving event with my little notebook and my little camera and people didn't want their pictures taken. They didn't want to talk to me or maybe they would say something, but it was off the record and don't use my name. So, um, so that was kind of, yeah, that's kind of how it was in the beginning. So yeah. by the end of this whole adventure, when they're pouring their hearts out, telling me the hurricane stories 20 years later, I think it was a hard earned position to be in because they, it took a while to warm up for sure. That, that had to be kind of frustrating being a journalist um, <laughs> when a source doesn't want to go on record or they don't want to give you their <laughs> name or they'll talk to you, but uh, you know, that's a, that's a major hurdle. Uh, on a good story, let alone something like this. Uh, that, you know, here I am doing a story and no one wants to tell me who they are or, or what their name is. Right. And the quotes were, the turkey was good. You know, I mean, it wasn't, <laughs> it wasn't like there was anything controversial here, but I was like, okay, I'm this, we're not in Kansas anymore. Like, this is a very different environment to be in. All of these experiences lead you to writing a book. Uh, was that your, I suspect it was not your intent when you first picked up and went to St. John's that you were there to write a book, causes you to, again, put pen to paper and decide that you're going to write this book. So, uh, so you're right. I didn't, I didn't have any plan. I wasn't going down there to write the great American novel or anything. In fact, um, and this kind of, kind of dates my age, but when I was going down, one of my younger colleagues said, oh, you should start a blog and write about all of this. And I was like, what's a blog? <laughs> I, I don't know what a blog is and it sounds like work. So yeah. I'm not going to do that. Um, but I did have an email list. I did have, you know, my list of people who knew I was going off and doing this and wanted to know what was happening. So I was writing, I was writing stories home in the form of email just to tell people what was going on. So, so I get asked a lot, you know, how did you remember all that detail? Well, I wrote it down. I wouldn't have remembered any of this detail if I hadn't written it down. And the place was just so rich. I mean, it's this beautiful island to begin with. And the characters were so colorful and the stories were so funny. And adapting to all of that was you know, it was sort of a humorous tale. So, so I had done, I had done those stories and a, and a few of my journalist friends from back in Philly were saying, you know, hold on to these because you might want to put them into a book someday. So, so that, you know, that was very flattering, especially coming from television and radio. Uh, you know, so I had, well, I remember one of my, uh, one of my colleagues from uh, the daily news responding to one of my emails and saying, oh my God, this whole career in TV, I had no idea you could write like this. What are you doing in television? <laughs> I was like, yeah, well, we think we're pretty good in TV too, but all right, whatever. Um, and I, I actually never really thought of myself as a writer until I stopped writing for a living. And then there I was waitressing during the day and going home at night with my little laptop and and pounding out these stories on just what I had seen all day. And I, it was a very creative period of my life. So I, so I did keep the stories. Like I said, kind of tucked them away thinking, well, maybe one day I'll put it all together into a book. I want to mention uh, Margie's uh, website where we can find out more. You could find out more information about Margie and other things that she's involved in, which hopefully if we have time at the end of the show, we'll get to, but uh, also have information about her book. It's margiesmithholt.com. You can find more information out about her book. And I guess I should, this would be a good time to uh, mention the uh, the title of the book. It, it's a mouthful, I'll tell you that, but it sort of summarizes uh, what the, what there it is. Uh, not on any map. How this I guess being here in Philadelphia, it's funny that the, the newspaper 
newspaper people remarked that you could write because so often <laughs> in radio and television, we sort of like, well, what do they know? They're just radio and television people. Exactly. Right? You but, know. <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. It's like, a, a, you could write. Yeah. You know, that's a whole other topic for a whole other yes, day. <laughs> but um, you find yourself then, and, and here in Philadelphia, you've lived through hurricanes. We all have. But now you're out on a, on a, on a venture, not at St. John's, but you find yourself then back in the field as a reporter covering not one, but two hurricanes that that hit the island. Yeah, so that, um, right, I've, I've covered I, I've countless storms uh, and weather events uh, as a reporter in Philadelphia. Um, but, you know, for most of those, you, you go in when it's happening, right? It's coming, the storm's coming, you're reporting on that, you're there for the storm. You're in TV, you're out there in the storm telling people to stay inside, you know, that whole ridiculous thing. And then you're there the day or two after to see what happens. And then that's it. And then you then you move on to the next the next thing. Um, you know, I ended up reporting on what happened down there because I, I wasn't a reporter at that point. I was back. I had finished my journey. I had I had lived in the islands for a couple of years. I had done this uh, incredible sail across the Atlantic in this little boat. Um, I ended up back in Philadelphia and I was actually at the Jersey Shore um, on September 6th, um, 2017, when these storms were hitting down there and I'm watching TV and the Weather Channel and, and the meteorologists are all talking about this massive monster storm, like the likes of which the Caribbean has never seen, well, was about to hit the United States because it was on a course to hit South Florida, which of course is very populated. Well, meanwhile, looking at the television and here's this gigantic swirl of angry red covering the US Virgin Islands and the surrounding islands. So while everyone up here is saying, oh, it's about to hit the US, it's like, no, it's hitting the US right now. It's on top of the US Virgin Islands. No one's even talking about it. Um, and then when it was over, it was two days before there was any news at all from anyone down there. So we didn't know what happened. So anyone who was on the mainland wondering what happened to friends and family uh, and the island just had to sit and wait because there was there was no news. And then over the next couple of weeks, um, little bits of information would trickle out, but still as the disaster, because it was such a large disaster in so many areas and and you know the news, the networks and all did start covering the storm in a broader sense, but there still was not a lot of mention of the Virgin Islands. And I uh, wrote an op-ed actually in the Philadelphia Inquirer saying, you know, don't forget this little, this little, this little place that's also part of this country. Uh, and these are Americans who are also in need and suffering right now. And an old um, boss of mine from my TV days got in touch and said, well, you need to cover this story. Like this is your story. And I said, well, I don't have a platform. I don't have, you know, I'm not working for the, the news anymore. Um, I'd stopped freelancing because it's just it was getting harder and harder. You know, everyone was cutting back in, in the media. And he basically said, that's beside the point, <laughs> right? It's a, it's, it's a story. It's the biggest story you'll ever have. And you're right. a journalist. Um, and so I think that was the motivation to go back at that point as many times as I could. And I went back maybe half a dozen times over the course of a year to uh, really sink into some reporting on how does a place, first of all, what happened, because we still didn't know what happened, and then how does a place recover from something that catastrophic? Many of the people that you uh, made friends with while you were there were still on the island, I assume, and I'm sure they were happy to see you. But how, I mean, we had seen, I guess, the horror of what played out in Puerto Rico, 
with one right. of the hurricanes. But how, you know, how were these people when you went back, how receptive were they to you that you were back there? And, and how were they dealing with the aftermath of these storms? I think, um, you know, there was so much shock in the beginning. That's sort of the first the first thing. Um, you know, I didn't want to go if I was going to be a burden because where would I even like, you know, was where will I even stay? You know, am I sure. going to take resources away? So, um, so I think it was maybe six weeks by the time I finally got down there. And, you know, the people that I knew, I think were mostly glad to see me to the extent that they had, they could be glad about anything. I mean, it was just, they were just sort of living in this, you know, day-to-day -day crazy environment. Um, and, you know, people would, were kind of standoffish, like they didn't want to talk about things. They were just sort of dealing with what was in front of them. But I think that just being there, the more time that I was around, um, the story started to spill out. Or, you, you know, there's one thing I say in the book where there, there was there was the mantra for a while. It's like, how are you doing? Oh, I'm fine. We're fine. Everybody's fine. Yeah, I'm doing okay. We're fine. And then three hours later, you'd still be sitting there you know, I, I wouldn't have to ask a question. Like people would sit down and start to talk about what had happened. And some of the stories, it took maybe a year for them to even come out. Like people just didn't want to sit down and talk about it. And then when they finally did, you know, they would say that, you know, that's the first time I ever talked about it. You know, having lived through this horrible thing that happened a year before. And you're right, Puerto Rico. So that was the same. That was Maria that hit Puerto Rico. That was the second storm on St. John. And it was a massive humanitarian crisis there um, because of the population, because it's so right. big. St. John is very small. Um, but I think what I was able to do in telling the story, it, it, it's a universal story. It's the same story. So in the book, as a reader, you've gotten to know this place and these characters because it's such a small place. So, and it was also ground zero for this, for this particular storm for Irma. So, you know, when you talk about what they went through, you can kind of see that's, that's what's happening on a larger scale in other places. One day while swapping vacation stories at the office, another coworker recently returned from hiking in the Rockies said she thought she'd like to have her ashes scattered there where she died, uh, when she died. This prompted some banter about where others would like to make their final resting places. No one talked about where they might like to spend their remaining living days. Isn't that nuts? I took inventory of the signs. My last single college friend had just announced she was pregnant. I couldn't stop thinking about two colleagues in the local press corps, not that much older, who had recently died, both suddenly and within weeks of each other. Life can change in an instant. Everybody in my family was healthy. It was an appropriate time to leave my job. I didn't have children. I did have a little cash little cash. There was nothing stopping me. I was essentially free of responsibility. I might never have this much freedom again. What if I didn't take a chance and regretted it later? Carpe diem and all that. This whole experience then, as I would suspect if anybody invested so much time and effort on the island as a resident, and then to go back as not only a resident, but a reporter, how did this, how did this shape you or how did this define you post-media career. I mean, because you go back and you see the devastation just on one level. I mean, that's that's got to have such an impact on you personally that it leaves an indelible mark on you. Yeah, there's. I think there's there's two things. One is, one is telling the story that wasn't mine, right? So I, I had all these stories that were my stories, and some of them are fun and and you know, interesting and entertaining and adventurous. And I and 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 that's kind of a nice a fun tale to tell of this experience that I had. Um, but 
then to tell the story of what happened to the place and the people is, uh, it, I, I think that's just such an innate part of who I am and who my, what my career has been, right? So I was so, so this whole thing starts off as I'm trying to get away from this old career and make this new life and find out other things about myself and challenge myself. And, and then ultimately I, you know, it comes full circle and it come back and say, well, you know, this may be the, the, the biggest piece of reporting I've ever done is to tell this story about what happened somewhere else and, and what is happening uh, on the planet with climate change. Um, through the eyes of these very specific people, um, yeah. means so much to me. I mean, this this book started out as a love letter, you know, to this place that changed my life, and I pretty much finished with one draft of the book right before the hurricanes hit, and then then the whole story changes, and you wonder, like, well, does this paradise even exist anymore? You're now back in the United on the mainland, and you're involved in a few other projects. What strikes me is that you know the old saying, you could take the kid out of Philly, but you can't take the Philly out of the kid. So in your case, Margie, it's like, well, you know, you could take Margie out of the business, but she's still in the business because of your work now with uh, storytelling and helping people tell their stories and write their stories. Yeah. I mean, I, I like to say too, I think I got my Philly up a little bit with the whole publication of the book, because um, after I finished telling, you know, telling this whole story and was not having a whole lot of luck finding someone who was interested in publishing these stories first as they were coming out little by little after the hurricanes. And that's when I was like, well, okay, I guess it's going to be a book then because it's not running in, in the newspaper anywhere. And then with the publishing, I, I published on my own. I was like, oh yeah, you think people don't want to read this story? Well, I disagree. And we'll mm -hmm. find out who wants to, to read this story because these, these are important stories to tell. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm, I'm half time in New York and half time in Ocean City, New Jersey still. So I'm still very local. Um, I had a cancer diagnosis, which is what brought me back to the, the mainland. Originally, I'm, I'm fine now, but I since then got involved with a writing program at Memorial Sloan Kettering Cancer Center in New York, uh, a program called Visible Inc., which is a writing mentoring program for cancer patients for them to tell their stories. And that's been amazingly rewarding. And it's just you know, it's like teaching. So I, you know, I had a little stint teaching at Temple. I mean, it's just whether you're you're teaching future journalists or just anyone who wants to tell their story. And now it's so much easier for anybody, right? Not only to to write their story, but to get it out there in some sure. in some kind of way. Have you been back, or will you go back to St. John's at any point? Oh yeah, I go back. Um, I honeymooned there. I did finally get married. I met another oh, guy. Congratulations. Yeah, congratulations. Thank you. Uh, we honeymooned there, which I say was maybe not the best, <laughs> the best <laughs> place to honeymoon if you wanted some privacy, uh, because I knew so many people there. Um, and, and I generally get back every year, usually for an extended stay to house sit or visit friends. Um, you know, after the, the hurricanes, the, uh, you know, they were sort of just getting back on their feet when COVID hit. So yeah. there was a couple of years there where um, I didn't get back, although they did gangbusters because it was one of the few places you could travel and a lot of people did. And um, and I was just there a couple of weeks ago uh, for my first time back since the book came out. So that was that was very rewarding because I figured, well, this will be the time if anyone has any complaints, I'll hear them. And uh, I didn't hear any complaints. So I think I, th I think I did OK. You did better than OK, for sure, <laughs> from everything that I've read about the book and the reaction uh, to the book. We just have a few minutes left. And do you miss the business? I mean, it's hard to say because the business has changed. I mean, the business changes every day. 
but you know, given everything that you put into it and where the business is going and where we see it going, do you classic, oh, I don't miss the business, I miss the people. So <laughs> that's exactly yeah. what I was gonna say, which yeah. I guess that's cliche, but it's so true. And 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 you know, I, I came back into the business, I don't know if well, it's that's even that's 10 years ago now. Um on a little bit of a freelance basis in the newsroom environment had changed so much, you, you know, it's so odd to me to be sitting in a room next to, you know, younger colleagues who would met, you know, message me on the computer. And it was just like, you're sitting in front of me, right? Like, just you know, turn around and have a conversation. And I think, you know, that's, that's strange to me that that, that camaraderie I don't know if it's if it's existing in any newsrooms any, anymore. I mean, I feel very lucky to have been working in, in Philly, especially at a time when there was such a great, you know, close press corps, like friendly competition and sure. um, and, and a lot of great people. Uh, so, you know, sometimes I sometimes I miss it. I don't I don't ever sit at home and wish I was out in the storm. <laughs> I was standing <laughs> there with the microphone um, and I am with the book. I, I, I do really like that I had this opportunity to, to dig deeper into a story and tell something a little more in depth. So what's next for you? Any other books in the making, perhaps? <laughs> well, this one took 17 years. So wow. it, actually, <laughs> it actually was a labor of love. I mean, it's you know 17 years ago that I moved down and first started writing the story. So I'm not sure I have another 17-year book in me, but... Uh, but I will say there's a, a lot of uh, a lot of good stories that got left out of this one. So maybe so maybe that'll be the next one. I don't know. I'm I'm um, I'm, I'm enjoying. You know, I'm so pleased with the reception I've had for this so far. I'm kind of enjoying uh, promoting that a little bit, and and we'll see if if people like it and they read it and they want more. Then then you know maybe another book. But I think definitely a screenplay. Right. Yeah. So for everyone, yeah. it's got to be a movie. So that's, uh, you know, anybody out there who wants to work on a movie, you know, let me know. <laughs> and so that's the next question is then if it becomes a screenplay and it gets green, green lighted, um, who would you like to see play Margie Smith Holt? <laughs> well, you know, Reese Witherspoon is always the number one choice. So because because she's so great and you know, has done so much for promoting women's stories in her own production company. Uh, but there are a lot of other, uh, a lot of other women who are doing that now. So I'll have to do some more investigating, but, um, but Reese is at the top. I mean, I wouldn't say no to Reese. I, I want to thank you so much for first of all, agreeing to do this interview. And secondly, for your book, the, the book is available online. Again, go to margiesmithholt.com. You can find more information as well as how to uh, get your copy of the book. Wish you continued success. You've been listening to Studio 89.7, a monthly program that focuses on newsmakers, celebrities, and authors. Please tune in on the second Saturday of every month at 9 a.m. for another edition of Studio 89.7, only on Rowan Radio 89.7 WGLS-FM.